episode 95, bonus edition, interview with Joanne Brewer. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. And I refer to you as an elite educator because that describes someone that invests in themselves by listening to podcasts just like this one to help hone their craft. Well, today's a special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and your potential by learning from another elite educator named Joanne Brewer, who has quite the empowering message. But before we dive into the interview, I do want to share a little bit more about her with you. So Joanne is an educator of over 20 years. She began her career as a teacher assistant at an elementary school in Memphis, Tennessee. She was drawn to special education, and she actually worked with boys in the juvenile system and then worked with students that were medically fragile. So that's a pretty interesting and empathetic part of her journey. Well, Joanne has experience at the middle school level in a self-contained life skills classroom, as well as both an inclusion K-5 and a preschool classroom. So she's kind of done it all. She received her principal and superintendent certification while being a behavior instructional coach for her school district. She was even in charge of completing their annual yearly progress analysis. So quickly after she moved to an AP role at an elementary school before she moved to Austin, Texas, where she is now working for Region 13 Education Service Center as a special education specialist. So she's supervising first-year teacher interns and providing some amazing professional development. And we're going to dive into that in this interview. Well, each day she asks herself, how have you inspired potential today? I love that question. And every day she can answer that question with evidence and confidence that she has made a positive impact no matter how big or small. Well, now that you know a little bit more about Joanne, let's dive into this interview. Well, hey, Joanne, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Hi, Gretchen. I'm so excited to be here. Well, good. Well, elite educators around the world are just eager to learn from you today. So I'm going to get right to it, if that's okay with you. That's perfect with me. So why don't you fill us in, tell us how you and I know each other, how our paths have crossed. Well, honestly, I'm just a real loyal and avid listener to your podcast. I feel like we're friends (laughs) (laughs) because I really resonate with what you say. I am an education specialist at um, an education center in Texas, and my primary job is to support first-year teachers um, as they are getting certified, but also through that first year of teaching, they really need a lot of support to get through. And um, I'm all over Central Texas, not just in Austin. So um, I like to listen to your to your podcast um, as I'm traveling uh, to support the, the interns. And what I have found is that you always have something at the perfect time when the, the, when teachers need to hear what they, with the 
current issues that they're going through or the current yeah. situations that they're going through seems to always be right and spot on. So I turn around and share the podcast and that you that I've just listened to with my new teachers uh, to help support them with not only teaching in the classroom and all of the pedagogy and responsibilities, but yeah. also work life balance, which is so important. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Thanks so much for sharing it out. Shout out to all your teachers you work with. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they're avid listeners, too. <laughs> they get good. That's good. So how did you get into this position? I assume you were in the classroom, and now you're kind of traveling and helping. So fill me in on what that looks like. Absolutely. Um, it's been a while. I, th- I started teaching in 1992. It seems like eons ago. As my daughter refers to it as back in the 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, and I have always taught special education. And I started teaching in the middle of a school year, uh, 14, 14 year old boys and I was fresh out of college. So, uh, it was interesting because it was before no child left behind and there were significant challenges for teachers, especially special ed teachers, because we were pretty much left to fend for ourselves. Yep. And that included curriculum, you know, beg, borrow and plead and try to keep the kids busy all day and safe. So, um, so it started there and I ended up teaching for several years. This was in Tennessee, in Shelby County in Tennessee. And I taught in uh, middle school to begin with. And then I went to a high school and worked with low instance students who were medically fragile. And then I worked at um, another middle school for about three or four years and then spent the large majority of my time teaching in an elementary school. A variety of different types of uh, special education services, but that's when my own children were in elementary school, so I was able to go to school and have my children with me and work with colleagues that were also the teachers of my children, so that was really nice. And um, so in about 2000, 2001, I got my administration degree and superintendent degree and ended up um, working for the district as an AYP analyst, so I learned how to crunch numbers and support entire schools, uh, and then as a behavior specialist and then an assistant principal, <laughs> so I was just everywhere, but when I moved to Texas um, is when I came I became an education specialist in the position that I'm now, and it's the best of all worlds. Yeah. It's everything I did before and, and then some, so at this position, I get to you know, my, my son says that I teach teachers how to teach. Yeah, so, that's, that's a perfect so. description. Uh-huh, and I support them, and I really enjoy it because I get to work with the kids, the families, the parents, the teachers, the administration, and, um, and of course, you know, the education system as a whole. So that's where I am. You're such an awesome resource to, you know, all educators, especially our listeners here, because you have taught everything, K-12, and then you've done, you know, behavior, as you mentioned, you've dived into special education, you've even worked with admin, you know, you're used to doing all the behind the scenes stuff. So I can't wait at the end, we'll share how to connect with you, but I'm sure you're going to get lots of questions (laughs) from people all over the country because you can answer almost every single one of them, I bet. Oh, well, I don't know if I can answer all of them, but I can certainly try or send them to where they can get the answer. There you, well, that's what a resource <laughs> does. It's a connector. So I love to hear that. Well, thinking about, you know, you've done so many different things in education, but if you were to pick one of your roles, what would you say is the best lesson that you learned? Uh, I think that the best lesson that I've learned is 
that when I'm, especially in the role that I'm in right now, is that new teachers, not just new teachers, but all teachers need support. They crave it. Mm-hmm. And we, as teachers, just innately want to share things and, and, uh, and, and grow other people, you know. So we're nurturers, you know, at the, at the base of what we actually are. Mm-hmm. So when we see a fellow teacher or educator that is uh, needing some support somewhere, uh, we're right there to put together whatever we need to put together to help them in most cases. The lesson that, go back to your question, the lesson that I've learned recently in my role is, especially with new teachers, is that they tend to struggle a little bit or most uh, often with classroom management, student engagement, and checks for understanding. Um, That tends to be the areas that they crave the most feedback in Mm -hmm. so that their classrooms run smoothly. And um, what I've discovered is that when you put the right support in place and you give them what they're craving, these teachers not only rise to the to the, to the challenge of doing what they need to do to do, to have their children be as successful as possible, but they end up completing a cycle of educators who support other educators, because then you see these teachers who are, who have taken that on and they then become teacher mentors and teacher leaders. And it just creates that whole supportive teacher community. I love that you said it's that cycle because it's it's paying it forward. It's here's where I struggled, which is pretty much what I do on the podcast. Like, here are all the mistakes I made. Yeah. Please don't do them. Here are <laughs> the things I was taught or I learned or someone had told me. And then hopefully the audience is taking it, passing it on. And just like you're saying, here's my journey. This is what I've learned. Take it for what it's worth. And then they then work with each other. They're swapping stories. And I know new teachers think, well, what do I have to contribute? But you are fresh because you are just in the classroom and you remind us old folks, right, of Mm -hmm. what it was like. You know, sometimes I forget that awkward time when it's a pause in your lesson and you can't remember what comes next. And you feel like, everyone's staring at you and literally the kids have no idea, you know, and I'm like, Oh, you're right. I remember that. But had you not said that to me, I wouldn't have remembered. And so it's just great to have someone in the moment to remind you so you can bless them with a, it's going to be okay. You know, fake it till you make it, whatever advice you have. Um, and so I love your idea of that cycle. Oh yeah. And I mean, cause I'm a firm believer that, you know, becoming a great teacher doesn't happen overnight and oh. it's the support <laughs> It's the support and the willingness to be vulnerable and to accept that support that's the key. Yeah, and I think being vulnerable is the hardest part. At least for me it is because you don't want anyone to know your mistakes. But really that's where you shine when you can say, I am not good at this. I need help. And then all of a sudden a swarm of people are ready to connect with you. And then that's where you find your bestest of friends and you just really feel camaraderie is is with those weaknesses. I agree. Well, what would you say, as you're traveling around, you're meeting lots of different teachers, what makes an educator great? How would you describe someone? So I, I put this in the simplest form um, because I talk to them about it as, as much as I think about it myself. And I just strongly believe that a great teacher is one who cares that every student every day learns and grows and feels like a real human being. You're teaching the whole child. That's good. That's good. You guys need to print that out and put it in front of you every day. <laughs> 
it's kind of our motto and our mission. <laughs> yeah, and you're but right, because uh, if that child's not taken care of, they aren't ready to learn. You know, whether it's they need mm-hmm. to eat or they just need someone to say hi and address them by their name. You know, it, it's they got to feel good. They've got all of their aspects need to be taken care of before they can sit in your classroom and take in that new information and at least I know as a new teacher, I was so focused on content. Like I could care less about everything else. And I really Mm -hmm. missed opportunities to, you know, connect with my kids, but then also really help them develop as people. So I'm, I'm so glad that you are sharing that message. Well, and it, it, sometimes they have to be reminded what their passion is and why they came, you know, into the field because they get inundated and overwhelmed with the realities of teaching quite often. And, um, and that's normal. That's typical and it's normal. And um, when that happens, you know, I bring them back by one of the first things that I ask them to do when they start with me is to come up with their own um, uh, philosophy of teaching. And yes. that because they haven't actually started teaching, their passion flows. Yes. And um, so I'll, remem- I'll remind them of that in the thick of the year when they're overwhelmed and feeling down or whatever. And we just revisit that, that philosophy and just reading it alone, they'll perk up. You know, you see their eyes start to rage. That's why I'm here. I'm here to make a difference. And I'm here because I love children and I hear, you know, and just reminding them of why they're there. And then all the other yucky stuff goes away and it's not quite so overwhelming. I love that idea. Well, I'm sure you're familiar with the podcast. You know, we've got, you know, a a crew of teachers that are listening. Some are in uh, the new season in the classroom. Some are transitioning in a role, or maybe they're in a point of distress. And then we've got some teacher leaders. So if you could pick one type of these teachers to give a piece of advice to, who would it be and what would you say? You know, I I think it would be to all of them, (laughs) because I don't think that after you've taught, I mean, after your first year and, or even if you've been teaching 10 years or you're a teacher leader or you've been there for even longer, 25, 30 years, the one piece of advice that I find is most helpful that will turn a classroom around and make it a successful, effective classroom is to constantly remind your students and teach them and review your classroom procedures, rules, and expectations. And that, that is so important. And the thing that, um, that is hard for them, um, when they struggle is that they think, well, a three day weekend, I don't have to revisit this. It's just only been a couple of days when actually it's been that many days for them to forget. (laughs) So it's just like, I always tell them, it's just like when you take your own, your own kids go visit grandma for the weekend and they come back and you've got to, you've got to fix (laughs) things again, um, and remind them of what, you know, how many cookies they can have at your house. So um, it's the same type of, um, of philosophy that they have to remember that just because they've only been gone for a couple of days, uh, that they do need to reinstate those procedures and roles and expectations as if they've been gone for a month yeah. and or over the summer. Uh, the kids just... I, you know, I was talking about teachers craving um, support, students crave structure. And that mean. and I strongly believe all students, regardless as to how old or how young or what cognitive level or whatever, the structure is what they want and what they crave. And when they get it, that's when I see um, the teachers really happy with what's going on in their classrooms and they feel confident that they're making uh, that the success that they're having with their students is is stronger. Yeah. 
students crave structure. I absolutely love it. You have a lot of quotables in this interview today. Oh. <laughs> That's great. Um, I agree. I think in my first couple of years, I would forget every time a long break, even if it was a three-day weekend, would come up. And that Monday was just horrendous. And I'd look at the kids like, guys, come on. Like, you know what we're doing here. Like, transitions are quick. Or you know where to get materials. Or why is everyone up? You have a leader in your group. You know, whatever the procedure was. And they looked at me like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like mm -hmm. ready to strangle them. Mm -hmm. But then once I just accepted the fact that this was just how it's going to be uh, Monday mornings, what I'd say, hey, we're taking five minutes from our morning work and we're going to go over procedures. We're going to have a great day today. And every time that I did that, I had such a great coming back to school time. And uh, I couldn't agree more with that advice. Whether you're new or old, everyone needs to do that routine. And like you said, students crave structure. I love that phrasing. Well, so you were just sharing some advice with us. So who do you go to for advice? Who is your mentor? I, it, it, that was a question that I had to think about. <laughs> um, and I, when, when I think about who my mentor is, I can think of people who are, um, you know, oh, maybe my boss or someone that I've had in, past, in the past as a, as a teacher or an administrator. But when I really think about it and, uh, and realize who my real mentors are, it's the teachers that I work with. And I really feel like it's because they're the ones who are informing me of what they need and what, um, what current issues are making impacts on them. And then the students that they have and what different things they're going through. You know, there's the whole millennial um, <laughs> group of, of students and, and young adults that, um, they come with their own package of what's coming on with this generation. And I have to learn from them. I have to, you know, cause I didn't have them as students. Right. Um, so I'm evolving through the teachers that I'm supporting. That's great. Well, thinking about, you know, just changing and being on cutting edge and trying to connect with people who can help you learn more. How are you keeping current on things besides your, you know, working with your interns is, there's something that you do like Twitter chats or go to workshops. How do you basically keep up in current what's going on in the field? Well, I happen to work um, in the um, capital of Texas where the TEA, oh, Texas Educator Association is based. Um, and I am working at the uh, Educator Service Center where we do all kinds of professional development for districts all over the state. Um, we primarily focus, and most of them come from Central Texas. However, as there are actually 20 service centers in Texas, and I am, we are the 13th. We are the number 13. But because we're based here and right next to TEA, we get the latest information. Yeah. Um, and we also, I'm based right out of um the service center where all of the professional development is going on. So any new trends or any new um, uh, strategies and tech technologies or methodologies, we have them there. And then we also are bringing in constantly um, professional development like Eric Jensen is, you know, speaking and we have um, Harry Wong come in, you know, oh, cool. that's where they do, that's where they do their seminars. And so I'm right there. Uh, which is awesome because I feel like I've got, you know, that information right at my fingertips. Yeah. And, um, and again, you know, I also get a lot of my information from the teachers that I'm working with. I will go and do an observation and learn so much, not only about the content that they're teaching, but 
new strategies that they've learned from their next door neighbors. So it's a pretty awesome job. That <laughs> I'm does pretty, sound awesome. I feel I'm pretty privileged. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were to tell us what you're currently working on, you know, do you have a project that you're developing besides working with these teachers? Oh yeah. We, I'm super excited to, to talk to, talk to you about this and to okay. share it with all of your podcast audience. Um, we uh, I've been working for the last about three or four years on a grant that uh, was started with a grant on a on a project called the Teacher Toolkit, okay. and um, it's it's a toolkit of strategies, procedures, and um, methods that is free. It's online, and of course, it's theteachertoolkit.com. But what's really neat about it is that we have since we have. Um, our new teachers that we support, um, we have asked them to help us build this toolkit. And each tool in the toolkit, each strategy, has uh, an explanation of how it can be used in the classroom, when it might be used in the classroom. It has templates that are added to it. And there are videos that are no more than ten, two minutes long. And they are featuring our teachers so they're real oh, teachers cool. in the classroom really teaching using these these strategies and we'll have videos um some of the videos will have an elementary version and a, and a high school version some of them have a special ed version so um it's a really really cool project uh that has really kind of blown up on us we didn't expect you know we just initially um started it to support our own interns and then and or when I refer to interns I'm talking about new teachers right. first year teachers but um but also uh supporting you know anybody that would be interested in it we didn't realize how popular it would become and uh just last month we uh got the information back that from our data that we have over a million unique users worldwide Holy on cow. our teacher toolkit. So that was a huge thing for us because from something that we just were not, um, that, you know, we were putting out there, we didn't realize it was going to reach everywhere and all kinds of teachers all over the place. We have, we have users. And when I say users, these are people that are repeatedly coming back and using the, pro, using the toolkit, uh -huh. um, for referring, you know, for a resource. And we have users in Great Britain, Spain, Australia, China, France, Germany, of course, USA. Wow. The only continent that we haven't been able to see using it is Antarctica. And we're just not sure. <laughs> well, Maybe not their internet is not as good. <laughs> so, um, so that's really exciting to us. We've also um, been uh, uh, Harry Wong has also been in contact with us with a project using the teacher toolkit. He found us through that. Um, okay. And now in his seminars and uh, some of his publications, he is referring to the teacher toolkit and wow. sharing it with others. So we feel pretty confident that it's something that is very useful, useful. and we're excited about um, the reach that it has. Uh, but sure. there's just, it, I, I think that it can just support teachers in another capacity. That's a quick and easy reference when they need to do, they need to find a strategy for a particular thing. Yeah. So I am kind of visual. I'm trying to imagine mm -hmm. what this is like in my head. So I would go to the teacher toolkit.com and then what? So when you go there, they're going to, you can search um, for a strategy by it by category okay um it's it's very user-friendly i love one that it's free <laughs> 
too. I like the oh, videos. Yeah. At the bottom, featured tools, you can just go really quick. Like, there's teaching procedures, nonverbal signals, sentence stems. Like, there's just a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to click on view tool just mm-hmm. to see what is here. And there's notes, video. Oh, look, how to use. It gives you step-by-step directions. And you can print. Oh, that's awesome. Download templates. Oh, and it shows you the teachers that are shown and what grades they teach and where. That's cool. Wow. I'm saving this on my toolbar right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really neat website that uh, we are very thankful that we have a a technology media crew that is able to focus a lot of attention to it and make it as user-friendly as it is. So yeah, I am very we're, we're really happy with its interface. It's, it's just very simple. So that's one thing that is we get a lot of feedback that's liked by the people who use it. I was going to ask you, what is the difference between the tools versus the courses? So the difference is that one is a, the tools are quick, easy resources that you can check out and review so that you can implement them on the very next day. And the courses are a little bit uh, more explicit that uh, is a learning experience and professional development. That makes sense. Okay, that's great. So right now, um, okay, so the tools will each have, just like you saw, when you look at it, you'll see that you can pick a category. Let's say you're interested in how to check for understanding or to have um, some social interacting action during a lesson. Um, You can just kind of plug that in and it will pull up the tools that Mm – are aligned to what you're what you're wanting to find and when you pull that up it will tell you how to use the tool um like um for instance let's let's say that you wanted to un- to use or explore the tool called gallery walk uh-huh. um the gallery walk tool will it will give you an explanation of what the gallery walk is and then it will tell you how you can use it whether it's a something that they they're going to write or if they're going to get up and talk or, you know, however you want to organize it in your group. Uh Um, But it really maps out exactly what you need to do to prepare as you're planning for it as a teacher. And then when you're actually ready to use it, it tells you when you want to use it. Do you want to use it at the beginning of your lesson as a hook? Do you want to, or, or assessing prior knowledge, or do you want to use it in the middle of your lesson when there's guided practice going on or you're checking for understanding, or would you like to use it as maybe the closure of your lesson and, you know, so that you can get some feedback and get some formative assessment from that specific tool. So So it, it, it does walk you through there. And then what's really, you know, of course you have um, the videos where you can actually watch. And like I said, those videos are quick. They're only two minutes long and you're actually watching real teachers use it and they have a little, um, each teacher will have a little blurb explaining how they're using it or what they really like about that tool. Gotcha. Um, so you get, you know, you feel like you're being coached yeah. <laughs> right there. Um, and then um, each tool, they also have very variations um, so that you can modify them or make adjustments to them to meet the needs of your students. So like in the gallery walk, um, the uh, adjustment is, well, how could I use this with pre-K, with the kids that don't write, you know? Right. Um, so they would, uh, th- you know, the, there's, a, there's a variation that explains how to do that. Just have everyone go to theteachertoolkit.com and play around okay. with it, and then they can shoot you individual questions if you don't mind. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Great. Well, fine. let us continue here and tell me. Uh, a little bit, a moment to brag about yourself. Tell us your oh, best all-star you, teacher moment. 
So um, that was that. That's hard. That's an interesting thing for me to think about because I feel like there are so many of them. I've had several of them when working with students when I was in the classroom, and um, they could be so many different examples. But I wanted to pull. I want to think about my current situation and maybe something that's been recent for me. So I have to uh, to think that my all-star moment recently is an intern, uh, the results of an intern that I have recently worked with. And like I said, an intern is a new teacher, first-year teacher. I was working with her about two years ago, and she started out her first year really struggling. We saw lots of tears together. Um, she would even get me crying <laughs> um, just because she was overwhelmed. And this is a teacher who um, really, really had the passion for teaching, and her first job was teaching preschool special education three to five year olds bilingual oh, wow. students so a heavy load yeah. just in th what the title is itself and then the actual job um is difficult and she but I knew she had the capacity she didn't know she had the capacity but I knew she did and um so I did a lot of coaching with her and and working with her and being there for her. And like I said, we saw many tears because together we would go through the ups and the downs together. Some of those are uh, just as many happy tears as sad tears. Right. But um, but she persevered and she pushed through her own um, her own obstacles and her challenges. And during the second year, when she came back her second year, not only did she survive her first year, right. but when she came back her second year, she decided she was going to um, take it up a level and see if she could support her students um, on a different platform, thinking outside of the box. And what her thought was is I've got a lot of students that are on the autism spectrum or who are low cognitively. And uh, many times when they're little like that, they just run, they just run away. And, you know, you spend a lot of your time chasing the kids or, or pulling the kids back. And um, so she had um, this challenge of runners. And over the summer she thought, you know, what can I do? And what she did was she got permission. She, she asked for, approval and got permission to have a therapy dog in her classroom what? and yes and it was amazing the difference that it made these students who were once runners were now in the classroom staying there because they wanted to stay by the dog and the dog sat in circle time and the dog went to centers and the dog and so did the students and they stayed there and then they became more um, engaged and participating in the things that they once were not and she also noticed that students who were apathetic and not really um, showing a lot of, of um, social interaction with one another or adults or anybody they would become social and emotional with the dog, with the therapy dog, because they would check, you know, if they blew their nose and they'd go over and they'd pretend like the dog is blowing their nose. <laughs> or if the dog, you know, shook its head, then they would go and pat it. And that was huge. And, and it's still huge. She's still using this therapy dog. And it's amazing the progress that she has made with her students. It's amazing the progress that she's made for herself. And what I was, uh, the reason I feel like it's an all-star moment for me, because it's all about her, um, is that uh, she was recognized by her school and recognized by the um, the certification uh, program that she's in. She was in uh, uh, Region 13's Educator Certification Program, and every year, uh, National Association for Alternative Certifications award an intern of the year. So 
all across the United States. And she was selected as intern of the year because of her innovative thinking and her and her drive and determination and the difference that she was making with her students. Um, So she and her therapy dog went and accepted the award last year. And um, it was amazing what she's done, not only for her students, but she is now a teacher leader and she's mentoring teachers all through her district and other districts surrounding her and making a difference beyond her classroom just because she could push herself through. Um, and that's what's amazing to me is someone who struggled you know, in the beginning was able to pull herself back up and then go above and beyond what you would ever expect a, a new teacher to do. Gosh, and because I, yeah, that one. oh, it was just amazing. And I loved watching it. And I feel like, um, you know, I'm privileged to have been part of her growth. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Woohoo. That is such a great, mm-hmm. so that's probably the best one yet. You get the award. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I do I'll thank be... her too. Okay. Yes, please do. <laughs> I want to be respectful of your time. So before I do let you go, I want to ask you one more question. And that is how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? So, I, I think that my last story really uh, reiterates what I'm about to tell you is I am re-energized and reignited every time I see a teacher that is excited about her students making success. It's yeah. just a, a, a continuous cycle, if you want to use that again, because um, I feel like their hard work is what's inspiring and inciting for me. Yeah, that. I 100% agree with you. I love that. Well, on behalf of Elite Educators Everywhere, thank you for your time. Go ahead and tell us how we can connect with you so we can learn some more. So um, you can find me at um, – I have a long email address. Do you? <laughs> you? Yeah. You can find me at joanne.brewer, and it's brewer spelled B-R-E-W-E-R, and it's Joanne. J-O-A-N-N dot B-R-E-W-E-R at E-S-C-1-3 dot text dot net. And I'm going to put that in the show notes, too. Yeah, that's going to be better. (laughs) Right. That's going to be better. But but my email is um, is the way to get in touch with me. And I am more than happy to be there for anybody that has questions and uh, wants some feedback or support. That's what I'm here for. Great. Well, thank you again so much, and we'll definitely chat soon. Well, thank you, and I really appreciate being able to be there, and I feel like now I've met all of your uh, listeners as well. So (laughs) (laughs) I've made a lot of friends today. Yeah, you did. Well, again, thanks so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Wasn't that an empowering message from Joanne? She is so passionate about education. Obviously, I love connecting with her. One, she's a listener of the podcast. Hello. But also, she is a coach just like me who is so on fire for quality preparation for teachers before entering the classroom. And I love that she is using podcasting as a resource because I can't tell you how many times school districts have said as part of the PD that teachers can go watch YouTube videos. They can watch Facebook Live, Instagram stories. They can listen to podcasts, you know, all these innovative ways to ensure that teachers realize, hey, I can have 
a learning experience outside of a textbook, outside of my own town, outside of whatever program I'm enrolled in, that is really up to me to be a lifelong learner. And that's what I love about Joanne is she is all about connecting these teachers with quality resources. And she wants to make sure she is ready and willing and enabled to be able to provide these teachers with a safe haven, um, effective feedback and support to really become their best. You know, we all want teachers to enter the classroom further along than we all were when we entered it. And Joanne is an exact example of someone who's doing something about that instead of just complaining, oh, the colleges need to revamp their course curriculum. Like, no, here's someone who's in the trenches doing something about it, making sure these teachers have what they need to be successful. And that dang teacher's toolkit, holy cow, please go to the show notes, alwayslesson.com. You will find all the links there so you can go snag some amazing stuff. And feel free to give a shout out to Joanne because she is the one that connected you with that. And we want to let her know that we appreciate all of her effort in developing that and being so willing to share that with us. Well, all right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Joanne Brewer. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.